I know you did a post about this, uh, you know, just a, a couple of hours ago. So, yeah. um, uh, so before we start, you know, our main subject, you know, which is going to be uh, uh, the Baloch insurgency from ethno-nationalism to Islam. Yeah. That's our main topic. Uh, but before we do this, you know, like since we are talking about the Eid, you know, like and the Eid announcement, you know, like, um, so tell us a little bit about it. Why is it important that what Taliban did? Well, I mean, uh, I think it's a, it's it's a for great significant that they announced the Eid like uh, to be celebrated on Sunday because the thing is like the the new uh, cycle of moon, uh, the what you call the birth of new moon, it just happened like at three thirty eight p.m. the Central Standard Time, which is like four thirty eight uh, p.m. your time, you know, the Eastern Standard Time, right? So it takes anywhere between fifteen. hours just 36 hours for a new moon to appear on the horizon because we muslims calculate the uh, lunar calendar month after sighting the moon with the naked eye right and it has to be sighted after the maghrib after the sunset time like not during the day that doesn't count right if we uh, even if you sight during the day the the day one of the month or the first date of the month would still be after the maghrib it won't be like okay uh, it's um, um, during the day right like uh, meaning let's say today is uh, april 30th right so let's say you sight the moon now so the first day of shawwal won't be after sunset which would make it like a, the may 1st you know what i mean okay so uh, it won't like so today we will still complete the the uh, the month of ramadan so so when they announced it it was kind of surprising but like i think uh, the the reasoning behind the, them announcing eid um, on sunday is more of a signal or more of a global messaging that we uh, the muslims of afghanistan or islamic emirate of afghanistan we are a different entity and we do not subscribe to this global secular liberal or the jalik world order which is like godless which is uh, deceptive which is uh, polluted by riba because like dr sarhamad used to call there are three layers of the jalwan which is political meaning uh, uh, the sovereignty belongs to allah sovereignty uh, we uh, there's there's no uh, divine uh, in, uh, interference in terms of political affairs and the second layer of the jal is uh, Uh, the riba like you know the economy is polluted with the riba like you have the commercial interest you have the usury so if you want to buy a home you have to go to bank you know borrow the money on interest right so everything is just like the hadith like a time will come when um uh, like you know the the riba will be prevalent so much so that if, if, even if a man claim that he is not involved in riba the dust of riba will definitely um, get in his body meaning i say let's say i bought the house on cash right i don't uh, 
uh, I, I don't get the loan uh, from the bank. I, I buy everything on cash. But then let's say if I'm buying my phone, the phone I buy, like, you know, it, 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 the, the price that's set for the phone, it has the interest uh, added to it because, you know, the Apple company, uh, they borrow money on interest from the bank. So they have to pay the interest. So when they set the price, for a phone, they have the interest added to the price. So I am swallowing the dust, you know, even though I'm not getting involved in riba directly, but indirectly I am involved. So that's the dust. And the third is, third layer of the jaw is uh, the break away of the family system, the homosexuality, the LGBT, the, the pornography and everything, you know, the first culture we see. So that's uh, the third layer of the jaw. So, and, so you see like there are like, you know, about 57 Muslim countries, they, they are all secular republics, you know, they conform to the UN charter, but it's only the Afghanistan which does not subscribe to the UN charter and they they are isolated, they are under sanctions. So, and they, Taliban are known to um, uh, pay great attention to symbolism. For example, when the fall of Kabul happened uh, after the collapse of the American-backed uh, Afghan government, they, when they entered the presidential palace, they they did not open the door or open the lock. They they break the lock by firing a gun. Second, they when they entered the palace, the the southern commanders of Taliban, they were the and the former Guantanamo Bay prisoner, they were the first one to enter the, uh, the palace. And that signifies that because there was like a propaganda like in the Western media and among the um, secular liberal uh, Muslim media that the Haqqani network in which they claim to be so powerful and that they are literally independent from the uh, Taliban Amir uh, uh, Sheikh Haibadullah Akhunzada. So that, that sent us the completely opposite signal to uh, to the global audience. And the third, and when they entered the palace, they recited Surah uh, Nasr, which is the Surah of Victory. So, and I think when I look, you know, the uh, uh, this uh, announcement of Taliban, like in light of the, uh, you know, their all other previous uh, actions, I think this is, uh, of a symbolic in nature that they are, you know, uh, the Qareeb, like the Muhammad Sassan said, Islam began as something strange and rarely uh, it will return to something as being strange. So give glad tidings to the one who um, remained strange but did not give up Islam because they are the only one who stood up to, you know, the uh, global um, secular liberal world order and everything else, everyone else succumbed to it and they gave up, you know, so. Indeed, we are the strangers, and Alhamdulillah, we, you know, like uh, we like it that way. Alhamdulillah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so let's begin um, with you know well, what happened in Pakistan, and uh, so today's topic: the Baloch insurgency from ethno-nationalism to Islam. Uh, as uh, our audience uh, might have heard, you know what happened in Pakistan uh, last week. Uh, with the uh, suicide by, bombing by by the female uh, member of the Baloch uh, Liberation uh, Movement, and I'm quoting that kind of you know like um, and uh, so let's talk more about it you know and look at it from uh, uh, the Islamic point of view and, uh, and try to solve this little uh, thing what's been going on. Uh, so inshallah, let's begin. 
Yeah, so there, there is a, an ayah in the Quran which uh, in Surah Al-Shaqaq which says like uh, This ayah says like, you know, you will most certainly enter one state after another. So when, when, when I look at, you know, the uh, Muslim resistance movements uh, in light of this ayah and I find like a, a remarkable... Um, uh, change or the state that uh, you know these Muslim insurgencies uh, or Muslim resistance movements go through. For example, the generation that lost the uh, Palestine to Israel, <clears throat> they they were the like most <clears throat> what do you call uh, secular and kind of like basically like atheistic generation of uh, Palestinian. For example, they took out a uh, mock funeral of Allah Zawajal, you know saying like you know Allah said now you know like he is no uh, no more and that was the generation that lost Palestine and then you have then what happened after the Israel was established all these uh, the uh, Palestine uh, resistance movement that that started out they were officially secular for example PLO right the Palestine liberation organization they were extremely secular they had nothing to do with Islam but then they did not achieve anything of significance, right? So, but then over time, that the, the when the masses saw that, like you know, like being secular, being uh, uh, not uh, Islamic, is not getting us anything of significance, you know, it it creates some news and maybe some some like a small what you call you can win the small battle, but we you cannot win the war, right? So that's what happened. They they had some successes, but it was like nothing of uh, significance, right? So that gives birth over the years to uh, Islamic movements, Islamic insurgency. Like for example, in Palestine, Hamas came about, right? And uh, the founder of Hamas, the Sheikh Yassin, he used to say the generation that lost Palestine, they were like you know uh, secular. They were not like you know Islam. Uh, uh, religious so I'll, I'll, and he used to uh, give this opinion based on uh, the Quran like because for example the uh, uh, the story of Musa al-Islam and Bani Israel you know the the Bani Israel who uh, who lived under the oppression of Pharaoh they they were the oppressed minority right so they they were persecuted so the, when you live under, uh, under oppression for a long time you develop like certain qualities one uh, of them is like uh, you know, treachery and betrayal uh, becomes prevalent. And second, the cowardice. And third, uh, you become extremely short-sighted and uh, cowardly, right? So so when uh, Bani Israel were saved from Pharaoh, when the uh, the river Nile was separated, you know, and they, they were uh, able to uh, cross the river Nile and save uh, from the, uh, the army of Pharaoh, they were told, like, you know, that Jerusalem is your land, your ancestors were from there, and now is under the control of, like, a, a different uh, group. Go fight them and take over, take over your land that belongs to you. So they said, oh, uh, Musa, Islam, you and your Allah go and fight. We will stay right here. So what happened, because of their refusal to obey the commands of Allah, they were punished. 
And so they were made to wander around uh, in the Sinai Desert for 40 years. And in that 40 years, what happened, a new generation were born and they did not see uh, slavery, they did not live under oppression. So they were um, brave, they were um, fe uh, ferocious, they were um, willing to fight, right? So this was the generation that took the land of Jerusalem in a bad. So same thing, so Sheikh Yassin, the founder of Hamas, he used to say the generation that lost Palestine, they so, whatever they did for 40 years, they did not achieve anything. So 40 years pass of like 1948 is the year when the um, uh, uh, state of Israel was established, right? And then 40 years after, so in the year 1987, did not pass, uh, a first intifada happened. And you see that, you know, the 40 years, right? Yep. So, uh, so first intifada happened, and so he said, another forty years will not pass by. The state of Israel would disappear uh, from the state, from the map, and that will be the generation that will take uh, the Israel back. He said. So, so from eighty-seven to uh, if you add another forty years, so that will be the year twenty twenty-seven. And he predicted that, right? So, same thing we see like in in Syria too, for example. The first generation that rebelled against uh, uh, the rule of Hafez al-Assad in Syria was in uh, in the year 1971, and they were crushed. And the because I mean they they stood up as it was like you know a, 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 a more of a nationalistic. Of uh, yeah, and also there there were like some Islamic groups too, and they stood up. But the thing is, the Masa did not support them. They stay like passive, they do not support because you need the support of masses, right? So they were suppressed, they were crushed, they were killed brutally by the uh, forces of Hafiz al-Assad. But then 40 years did not pass by a, a different group rise up like, so the Arab Spring in 2011, right? 2011, that's when the uh, the, the Saur of the, the Syrian revolution started. So 40 years. So same thing one state to another. So what we see is like, if you look at like, you know, different insurgencies like around the world, like Muslim insurgencies, you find like a remarkable similarity, you know, like for example, um, and there is a hadith where Muhammad said like, um, an army of 12,000 men, men will come out of Adan Abiyan, Yemen, and they will uh, give uh, assistance to Allah and his Messenger and they are the best between myself and them. So the Adan Abiyan, uh, it's a is a uh, is a specific part of Yemen that is in South Yemen, and this was the part in 1970s which was communist, and this was the only part in the Arab world that was communist. I mean, Subhanallah, Muhammad is like you know giving Bashara the glad tiding that an army come from this part of Yemen which will give victory to Allah and His Messenger, but you look at it in 70s. That was the part that was ruled by communists. Yep. But now look at the, the Adanabian. It is ruled by, it is governed by like Islamist insurgency movements, you know? So it's exactly following the ayah. And similarly, you look at uh, the uh, Northern Mali, right? The Mali is like a is like an interesting country because of the current geographical boundaries of uh, um, 
uh, Mali is uh, defined by uh, the French colonialists, you know, and they were like kind of back and forth to set which whether to include the Azawad region into the current uh, state of Mali or make it separate because the Azawad region of Mali is uh, inhabited by uh, the Tuareg, you know, our tribes and other nomadic Arabs, right? So, which is kind of separate from the Southern Mali. Southern Mali are uh, inhabited by uh, the Sub-Saharan African ethnicities, which are, who are like kind of different, ethnically different from the uh, Tuareg and the uh, uh, nomadic Arabs who are persecuted and, you know, because of, of racial discrimination or ethnical uh, differences, just like, you know, the same thing exists in Afghanistan and other parts of the world. Like in Pakistan, we see like, you know, the ethnic differences of Punjab, Baloch, Pathan, and uh, Sindhi and Urdu speaking and all that. So, so the uh, the first insurgencies like, you know, in Mali, they were like Tuareg nationalists who were not like Islamist, you know, and they started to fight for their rights, but they did not achieve anything of significance. So it was um, the movement called uh, the uh, National Tuareg Liberation Movement, or a short abbreviation MNLA. So from that, over time, it they move gradually towards Islam, right? So uh, and it becomes like Al Qaeda and Islamic Maghreb. That was um, the uh, the group that gave defeat to uh, to French forces, you know. So now now the Fran France uh, withdrew from Mali. That was uh, so, recently. Recently, yes. Yeah. So similarly, we see like uh, the uh, Kurdish insurgency in northern Iraq, in uh, southeastern Turkey, uh, and uh, Saudi uh, northeastern um, Syria and northwestern Iran, right? So the but the Kurdish insurgency is like a, an interesting case. This is the insurgency that. Um, being betrayed uh, or used uh, by uh, Western powers, specifically the United States, as a proxy, right? To uh, for, for many years now, yeah, to gain lever leverage over um, Saddam Hussein's Iraq and over uh, Hafez al Assad, Syria, and um, the uh, the pre Erdogan uh, governments of Turkey, right? So they. They carried on insurgencies and they um, <clears throat> they committed like horrific crimes and they they were like suppressed brutally as well you know both by um, you know, Saddam Hussein when he dropped like chemical you know weapons on them and also the uh, Turkish government like you know massacre like a lot of innocent uh, uh, Kurdish uh, civilians in the name of fighting PKK which is their uh, you know the uh, like uh, what do you call uh, armed uh, uh, wing. But then um, from among the, uh, the Marxist uh, Kurdish uh, insurgency group, a lot of people break away from them and they form their own uh, Islamic movement. Like um, some, some of them are like Huda, Par, and there were like many other um, Islamic groups, but they are like small in numbers. You know, they, uh, there, there was one group uh, in the beginning of the war uh, after 9-11. Uh, it was a Kurdish group, but they were... Uh, very much, you know, like a Islamic Ansar or something, if I remember. Yes, and, and I remember, you know, like a, a, the U.S. special forces took them out first because yeah. they knew they feared them, you know, like a, yeah, so. Yeah. So that yeah, was very they, interesting. 
I, I remember that one. Yeah, they they uh they attacked them first. Like when they start bombing Iraq, that was like one of the first group which was very organized. And they instead of assisting them, they just massacre them. Um, yep. Yeah. So similarly, the um, uh, what do you call um, like the uh, Baloch insurgency, which is like you know uh, like secular and Marxist. But it looks like there are like efforts underway, especially from the uh, Taliban Afghanistan and Tahrika Taliban Pakistan, to uh, change them from nationalism to uh, to an Islamic movement. For example, the TTP started releasing the sheet in a Baloch language, which um, which gives as indication that they are trying to wove the. Um, Baloch insurgents who are mainly operating, you know, in the mountains, mostly um, on the uh, other side of the border on the Iran, because a lot of them try to stay um, on the Iranian side, and then they, you know, uh, cross the border into Pakistan and they attack and then they just flee. Because the thing is, the Balochistan in in Pakistan is mostly desert, and with the satellites, it's very easy to spot, you know, variables where are they, right? So they can. Uh, spot them and uh, either kill them or arrest them. So they don't just stay uh, on the uh, Pakistani side for the most part. And that's why there's a lot of spy games going on between... Um, yes, uh, I, I saw that, like uh, the, the video was posted in your link and it was very interesting to see the area they were in was uh, very green and forested. And I was like, that's, uh, you know, not normal, you know, so they had to be on yeah. the other side. The Sistan, Balochistan of uh, yeah. Iran, which is a uh, uh, northeastern uh, province. I mean, like, yeah, it's not that the Balochi people in Iran are like um, flourishing or they're happy because they're they're persecuted minority too. You know, when I heard, get to hear stories like they they are not allowed to speak uh, the Balochi language, they have to communicate in Persian, the Parsi. So they're not happy, and there are like a lot of uh, other. Uh, anti-Iran Balochi organization, like for example, Jaysh al-Adal, which Pakistan use as kind of like leverage, you know? And at one time, like, because because when Pakistan in the uh, military and intelligence, they support um, the jihadi group, they only support so long as it serves their um, interest, you know? And the movement, the jihadi organization try to go out of, the, out of their way they, they cut their supply lines and they, um, uh, what do you call, pass on the intelligence to the um, other group. For example, they did the same thing with the Indians, uh, with the Hezbollah Mujahideen, and they did the same with the uh, Jaysh al-Adal group with Iran. They supply intelligence to uh, Iranian authority and they arrested, like, you know, the, um, the leaders of the Jaysh al-Adal group and they uh, executed them. So uh, Pakistan played like a double game, you know, with, with, the, with the jihad and I think uh, it's catching up now because uh, you know, like uh, it's known as uh, no one trusts the intelligence uh, anymore. And I think uh, it's showing lately. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, go ahead. Let's get back uh, to our subject. Uh, uh, so, well, who do you think is uh, supporting them? You know, like. Uh, 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 like I see the video and it reminds me of, you know, like uh, uh, old videos, you know, like uh, that um, uh, Al-Qaeda used to make, you know, like uh, in, in that kind of format, you know, like where, who's uh, supplying them with, you know, uh, money? Well, the thing is like, so any kind of 
insurgency cannot flourish until and unless they have the support of the local masses, right? So with the Baloch insurgency and with the TTP in Pakistan, both are like have like a wide support of the local masses, which I mean, of course, the Pakistani authorities kind of deny, right? They're going to say like, oh, this is like all uh, cross-border terrorism, which is pro propaganda. I mean, there, there's some truth to it, in intelligence language they call, or in the CIA manual, they call it like gray propaganda, meaning you you take like some truth, you blow it out of proportion and you convoluted the truth with falsehood and you present like a, um, something uh, like a bigger proportion than it actually is. And this is what um, we find in, uh, in, uh, in the CIRA too. Like for example, uh, when Musa migrated to uh, Medina, uh, from Mecca, uh, he started to send um, uh, Saraya, you know, the small uh, dispatches of um, what you call rec reconnaissance group, right? And they were sent with the um, with the specific instruction just to surveil and just to spy and report back, you know, no attack, right? But then what happened? Uh, 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 like um, there was this group of um, uh, the merchants, uh, the Quraysh merchant. They were um, um, they uh, they were traveling and uh, so um, so this group of Sahaba Rasulullah who were um, you know part of the uh, the dispatch that most of them sent from Panina to spy on on the parade, they were in a dilemma that okay so if we wait and if we don't attack the, this group um, um, they they're gonna reach Makkah and so they will escape right but if we uh, Actually, I said that wrong. Like most of them did send them to um, pursue this caravan. Okay, so um, they. Uh, but then, like, if if they, uh, I think they were they were in this uh, in the month of Raja, which was considered like a sacred month. So you, if you find your enemy, you don't attack him because it's a sacred month, right? So Sahaba, like, they made a consultation and they decided to attack, right? So Abu Jahal, who was the leader of Parade, he took that as a like a, a, what you call a, a golden opportunity, and he started to you know, do all this propaganda like, oh look, Muhammad like a, a followers like you know are not uh, keeping uh, the uh, historic uh, uh, the uh, the sanctity of the the sacred month, you know, and he's openly violating it, and he's attacking our people, and so. And so when the Sahaba like went back to Medina and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam kind of like uh, ad, uh, admonished them and he was like not talking to them. And then, uh, you know, there was like all this propaganda. So they, the Sahaba were sad, you know, and they were like confused, like as to what to do. So the ayah were revealed in Surah Baqarah where Allah said, um, attacking uh, the Quraysh uh, in a sacred month is, um, is uh, something uh, uh, to be uh, condemned? Is not like something admirable, but pre so uh, but preventing people from, from worshiping Allah is a greater crime. So Allah put the things into perspective. So okay, so they did kill like you know uh, people in the sacred month, which is of uh, uh, you know not, not a great action. It's it's it is condemnable, but. Preventing people from worshiping Allah from 
from uh, following Muhammad is of a greater crime than what the Sahaba did. So uh, it's, uh, you know, so Quran put things into perspective. So, um, yeah. Very interesting. Uh, so where do you think it's, it's leading to? Like, uh, you know, they're, they're moving away from, uh, you know, uh, more of a, you know, a nationalistic, you know, approach now to, you know, like uh, Islam. And they're being supported by Tariq uh, Taliban, uh, Pakistan. And to a certain degree, you know, like I've been hearing, they're being supported by the actual Taliban also, like uh, not the majority of them, but like a, some small fringe group. Uh, so what's think, going on? Yeah, I think there's, there's a truth to it. I mean, they they are probably supported because like the thing is like for Taliban, you know, they, uh, they, uh, they have to uh, have that kind of uh, policy because Pakistan played double game. Like, I mean, if you notice, ever since Imran Khan was ousted from power, the first thing that happened to Taliban is like Pakistan carried out like airstrikes and they massacred like, you know, uh, over 40 civil, innocent civilian women and children. And second, the, uh, the bombings of the civilian targets have significantly gone up. You know, you see like a bomb blast pretty much every day in Afghanistan, right? So, and this was not happening while Imran Khan was in power. So this show like uh, Pakistani military intelligence, ISI is playing the role, some kind of role behind these bombings. Because if, if, if it's not the case, then why these bombings were not happening before? And it only started to happen right after Imran Khan was ousted from power. And I, mean, I know like uh, uh, the uh, CIA is behind it as well because they, they benefit from this, right? Because the CIA and you, if you, well, if you're paying attention to Lindsey Graham, he, he, he was saying like, you know, when uh, American were withdrawing from Afghanistan, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, there was a civil war in Afghanistan, you know, and they, they're uh, Taliban voters stay for long, right? So, and they, these people, they are basically taking revenge and they, they are isolating Taliban from, from the uh, world community. So to financially uh, crush them, right? So when that happened, then you have like a huge masses who are jobless, who are poor, who are desperate, who are hungry. So it is easy to recruit them uh, to be um, uh, what you call ISIS or to be any other, right? Because ISIS is just a name and you, behind it, you will find like all kinds of world intelligence, world powers, you know, play a role. For example, when French uh, were claiming to uh, be fighting ISIS in Syria, they were all at the same time were financing ISIS too. And similarly, United States were bombing ISIS in Syria. They were also dropping uh, weapon supplies to ISIS. And same same thing we find like Bashar al-Assad, where you had like, you know, all these groups like uh, Ahrar al-Sham, uh, Jabhat al-Nusra and all other groups who were like genuinely fighting Bashar al-Assad. And they would take over territory from the uh, the uh, what they call Shabi, you know, the pro-Assad militia. And all they would get is like, few uh, 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 carrots of like weapons and some guns but whenever ISIS took territory uh, from uh, the uh, 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 pro-Assad controlled area they would have huge catches of weapons you know and which was unprecedented and it was only ISIS who was getting and the same thing we find like in Iraq too you know when they, back in 2014 when they claimed the Sunni areas of Iraq not the Shia area the Sunni area like which is the northwestern Iraq bordering Syria. So when the Iraqi army ran away, 
they left behind like all the Humvee, the American supplied guns and weapons, everything. So I said, took over these uh, weapons and then they started to bomb uh, the Iraqis and the Americans started to bomb them. And then who they killed? The Sunnis. Yep. So the, the thing is, there's like a huge conspiracy. So the, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not denying the fact that there are some crazy crackhead, what they call Hawaris, you know, who are uh, bloodthirsty for Muslim, but there are a small number of it. But then the intelligence agencies using them as to achieve their own nefarious agenda. And that's what is happening in Afghanistan too, you know. And, I remember uh, uh, reports of uh, ENA, uh, uh, helicopters flying in and 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 uh, basically taking the uh, uh, the cornered uh, uh, ISIS soldiers you know like uh, and and taking them away you know uh, and there were yeah. lots of footage you know like uh, mm-hmm. that uh, someone posted on twitter and uh, inshallah we'll try to find it you know but like it, it, that mm-hmm. was very interesting to me you know like uh, that every time they would get cornered somewhere and and here comes you know the Afghan national army you know and they rescue them yeah mm-hmm. yep and they rescue them. I mean, they did this several times. I mean, like uh, not once or twice, but several times. I mean, they, uh, like, uh, uh, what do you call this? Uh, Uzbek warlord, the, you know, the CIA allied warlord, Rashid Dostum, he rescued several of them. And actually just uh, earlier this month, Iran arrested one of his deputies in Mashhad, uh, city of Mashhad, where he was recruiting uh, the Afghan refugees to go and fight in uh, Ukraine. And he was like, uh, there were reports that he was also recruiting them to be um, uh, fodder for ISIS, you know, because these warlords who fled Afghanistan after August 15, they are um, using ISIS, you know, they are giving them money and supplying them weapons to, uh, to create chaos in Afghanistan and to pave the way for their eventual return. And uh, Taliban, uh, it seems that they are trying to, um, uh, you know, work out and preempt this uh, uh, strategy and you know counter um, this strategy of the um, the Atta Noor, uh, you know, and uh, Rashid Dostam and other warlords. So, in the coming month will will see like you know, what which way um, this settles. Indeed, indeed, you know, like uh, this, uh, the Jali Fitna is uh, uh, very big, very complicated, but, you know, like, inshallah, you know, like, um, um, what we have to do is just uh, keep our mind open, pray to Allah, you know, like, uh, that, you know, he helps us, you know, move forward and uh, shows us the right path, inshallah, and um, mm-hmm. indeed, you know, these are dangerous times, uh, so inshallah, we'll uh, wrap this up, uh, and uh, um Again, to everyone, Eid Mubarak. Uh, uh, we'll continue this. Uh, we will uh, post more material uh, in coming weeks. Um, thank you again, Miraj. It was a, a very, very, very good, you know, post, post, post uh, podcast today. Inshallah, and yeah, we'll continue. Thank you. Okay, and uh, I'll see. Uh, please subscribe, uh, everyone. Please uh, listen to uh, our podcast. Uh, leave comments. Uh, tell okay. us what to do. Ask questions, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, also Eid Mubarak to all the listeners since we are um, in the last uh, day or two of Ramadan and uh, it won't be, uh, our next podcast won't be, uh, you know, before Eid. So, so Eid Mubarak in advance. To Eid Mubarak, everyone. Yes, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm taking a vacation, you know, like I'm going with yeah. the family. I'm going to enjoy. It's yeah. been long two years, you know, like, uh, so everyone Eid Mubarak, Miraj, you know, enjoy your Eid yeah. and uh, actually I'll talk to you on Eid. Inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. Okay, okay. okay. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> Assalamualaikum. Yeah.